Well, Luann and I have been married for 38. And so I got to looking about what is the gift for the 38th. It's not silver. It's not gold. It's not platinum. There's got to be something for 38, right? I found out it's appliances. <laughs> so I thought to myself, self, I want to do something special. So I bought myself, my wife, a new refrigerator. I should have got that for me, as you can see, but I, I got a refrigerator. And when she opened the door to that refrigerator, you should have seen her face light up. <laughs> and I bought myself a new hot tub at the same time. I've been in hot water ever since. I did not ask Artie to do that. He set me up beautifully, and I will forever be grateful. Uh, okay, uh, last week, uh, Pastor uh, Ben, Pastor David preached at their campuses uh, from uh, Acts chapter 2 at the end, uh, specifically 242. They, they got together uh, to break bread, to prayer, uh, for the, to study the Word of God. And Pastor Cord here on the Ormond campus did an incredible job. If you didn't hear it, go online and listen to what he had to say. But what, what got me in that message was this statement. He said, you will never find time to read God's Word, to pray, to worship. He said, like everything else in your life that's important, you'll make time. You have to make time. Now, it took him a whole lot longer to say it than that, where I was able to say it, you know. <clears throat> All right, so chapter 3 starts off like this. So after we've had the, the fire fall from heaven, we've had the languages spoken, we've, we've had this huge revival, 3,000 men were saved, plus women and children. Uh, we've got... Uh, We've got the church started. They they went through and they focused on what they knew to do. They read the Bible. They prayed together. They they sold property and they gave it to one another that had need. And there was no needy ones among them. And you read you read through all this story. And again, Pastor Court unpacked that so so well. So then we come to chapter three, and it's the next morning. And Peter and John are walking into the temple, and on their way in, they run into a man who's been crippled from birth, sitting there at the gate. And he's got a little cup that he's been begging. Now, this guy's been there for decades. It doesn't tell us how long, but he's a permanent fixture. In fact, let me show you the historical data here. He sat at the Holga gates uh, because that's on the eastern side uh, of the city. And that's what they look like today. Actually, the gates he went through probably were down here. This is built up on top. But somewhere in this area is where that man would have been sitting. Again, just so you'll understand the Bible's true, we put it in historical context. There's, he's sitting outside the Holga gate and begging for money. And Peter says, listen, we don't have silver and gold. But what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. Now... That does not mean that I have the power to say to somebody else, get up and walk. That power does not say it's been transferred to me. But it was transferred from Jesus to the apostles to do one thing. <clears throat> to let people know that Jesus 
was who he claimed to be, that he was God, that he was the Son of God, that he was qualified to take away their sins. And even then, we're only a few days removed from the resurrection, and even then, they want to give credit to men. And this is where we pick up the story, if you'll stand out of respect for God's Word. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 11. <clears throat> So the man that's been healed, it says he went walking and leaping and praising God, if you were in Sunday school. It says, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished. And they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. We're right outside the temple door. When Peter saw that, he said this, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? See, Peter immediately deflects the fact, "Uh uh-uh, not me. Now, you may not see that in today's culture. You see uh, people liking to take credit for these kinds of things. Uh Uh-uh. Peter said, you know I didn't do it. I'm a fisherman. This is not me. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy One, the Righteous One, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing, rebreathing may come from the Lord. And that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even this Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore all things. We are very close at hand. As he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers. What an incredible passage. You can be seated. Now, I want to show you what we're going to do because if I don't, it's going to sound a little bit weird, okay? This will only work in the English language, all right? Here's what we're going to talk about. We receive fresh air. We make many heirs, and we are heirs. This will only work in English, but it works, all right? So Peter starts this message... And he, he asked the question, all right, they're hang, the guy's hanging on to Peter and John. The people are looking at Peter and John, you know, maybe we should worship them. And Peter says, why are you surprised? Now, Peter does something here that we talk about a lot. 
If Jesus raised from the dead, why would this be a surprise? If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then the rest of it doesn't matter. Now remember, this guy has been sitting there for decades. We don't know how long. 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I don't know how old he is, but this is all he's ever done. And every single day on the way into the temple, because they would have all gone in through the Holga gate, there's that guy. Now you know what it's like. Sometimes you take different roads because you don't want to deal with who's standing on the corner in this town. You know there were people that went up the other side of the steps because they got tired of hearing. There were others that out of guilt probably flipped in a little bit to help the poor man. But this guy's been there and he's been a sore in their side for decades. And Peter walks by and says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And they see it. Now, who can deny it? All of Jerusalem. In fact, everybody who's ever visited Jerusalem over the last 40 years knows the guy. Because he's been right there, same place, every day. Peter said, why would you be surprised? This... Jesus that you killed, now this is a little direct. You're talking about some direct preaching? This Jesus that you killed, now, don't go crazy on this. This is where people are like, see, the Jews killed Jesus. And so did the Romans, so did you and me. The reason Peter says you killed Jesus is because that's who he's talking to. If Peter were here preaching today, he'd say, you killed Jesus. Because it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross, Right? Right? So that's where he starts. Why are you surprised that God would do this, do this because God's job, now listen to me, church still struggles with this. <clears throat> dead churches, dead Christians really struggle with this. God did not come to make bad people good. God came to make dead people alive. Amen. I preached a sermon the other day and I asked a question. Now, I'll get to the other side of this later, so don't get excited if you think I'm giving, giving approval to your sin. I said, can an alcoholic go to heaven? I said, I sure hope so. Can a drug addict go to heaven? Prostitute? Liar? As long as they repent. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, that's what... All of you used to be. So we're constantly battling that. So people have brought it into a world that the, the, the legalists are like, well, you weren't good enough. We, no, none of us are good enough. Peter's talking to people that do not qualify for heaven. But he said, God came, now don't miss this, to bring fresh air into people. You like that? To be refreshed. Right? If you've ever been trapped somewhere, if you've been in a cave, if you've been in a burning building, whatever it is, when you step out into fresh air, it's an amazing gift from God, isn't it? Well, you need to understand at the very beginning of time, God creates Adam, forms him up from the dust of the ground, and he's just standing there. He's just a clay statue until God breathes the breath of life into Adam, and Adam becomes a life-giving being. So it says, this Jesus that you killed, God 
re-breathed life into him and he wants to refresh us and breathe life back into us. That's what he's in the business of doing is raising people from the dead. And sometimes it's easier to raise people physically from the dead than it is people who are in a spiritual death, just tumbling down and down and down and refusing to do, as the people here, refusing to repent. But he said, God came to give you guys fresh air. Daniel 12, 2 says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Listen, I don't have time to go through everything and I don't understand it all, but I'm going to tell you the core of it. When you die, your soul leaves your body. We do something with your body. We put it in a box. We burn it, put it in an urn. A shark eats it. A lot of options there. Um, but I'm just telling you, you're the, there's a lot of ways to dispose of a body. But you're not there. Your soul has left and your soul is with God. But at the return of Jesus, your soul will be reunited with your body. And it doesn't matter. God made Adam from nothing to begin with. And so you will be reanimated out of whatever's left, of whatever's left behind. And you will get a new body and your body and your soul will come back together. Like that? Then you will stand before God and one of two things is going to be said. Well done. Or get away from me. Those are the only two options that you get. Well done or get away from me. There's no middle ground. Hey, I was a pretty good guy. I was a decent lady. You know, did you surrender to Jesus? Maybe this is a good time to ask that. Because that's what Peter's getting at here. If you've not accepted Jesus, there's a button I've decided. Here, come over here. Decision. There's people that will be here to help you, to answer questions. We went through all that in Acts 2 about repentance and about baptism and about committing to both the Savior and the Lordship of Jesus. But the problem is, not only do we need the fresh air, but we make a lot of errors. We make a lot of mistakes, don't we? Yes. Now, we like, to, we like to redefine them. We like to call them mistakes. Because that doesn't sound as bad. Now, when we point yours out, we make sure it's a grievous evil, okay? But if it's something we did, it's just a minor mistake. But the truth is, the Bible calls error, the Bible calls sin, missing the mark. Not being on target with God. And here's the deal. One time missing the mark disqualifies you for heaven. Anybody here got a shot? We're all going to hell. Except for the fact that Jesus stepped in on our behalf. He says, you were ignorant. Uh, again, you've got to remember, all right, Peter is a fisherman. He's a fisherman. So you don't expect flowery language out of him. He goes, a couple of points I'd like to make. You killed Jesus. And by the way, you all are really ignorant. All right. Isn't that kind of how you'd expect a preacherman turn, or a fisherman turned preacher to deliver the message? Straightforward, right? You were ignorant in the past. But now you know about Jesus. You've heard, some of you saw the cross. You'd heard about the resurrection. Now you saw this man's legs healed who you've seen for 40 years sitting here. 
How long are you going to hang on to your heirs before you say, I believe that Jesus is the God who can take away all those heirs? See, you and I get to make that decision. We get to make that choice. And sadly, a lot of people never understand the, the price that they pay. And, 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 I, and I share this in a lot, of, a lot of funerals. You cannot negotiate with a demon. A lot of people think they can. I've got a story up here of a guy who was one of those snake charmers. And if you don't want to see a snake, close your eyes. I'll tell you when you can open your eyes again. I warned you. All right. But there's this story. So it's a national, international story. A guy was going to be a snake charmer, thought he'd be cute, picked up the cobra, played with the cobra, posed because this is the 21st century. So he posed to get his picture taken with the cobra and then the cobra bit him and the man died. You can take, you can take him down now. Moral, moral of the story, if you play with the cobra, you die. Well, cobras come in bottles. Cobras come in porn. Cobras, corn, come in terms like transsexual. They come in terms like homosexual. They come in terms of drugs. They come in all kinds of terms, greed. But you think you can handle the snake. And you can. You might even get your picture taken with it before he kills you. Hosea chapter 4, listen to this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you, my priest. Because you have ignored the law of God, I will also ignore your children. Wow. Let me break this down for you. All right. And I'm going to speak really clearly. All right. I am terrified. I think we've always been scared for the next generation. But what we've done to kids, masking them up, and, and the, some of the struggles they're going to have for the rest of their life dealing with, uh, dealing with some of that, but I'm, that's not my field. What I'm concerned with is the spiritual underdevelopment of kids that have missed a couple of years. Because the world gets hours and hours and hours, and sometimes the church gets an hour or two, maybe three a week, and some of these kids have been cut off. 60% of the church, uh, in the p- people in churches have never come back. Now, let me speak to you if you're at home today. First of all, I'm glad you're watching. Please don't take that wrong. <clears throat> and if you're sick, you're sick. And if you're old and hurting, you're old and hurting. If you're traveling, you're traveling. But if you're not, my concern is for the kids. We need to get all these kids back in children's church. And we need a bunch of you to get over there and teach. Because we need both. But here's the the problem. People say, well, the the kids are watching online. Yeah, I, I am certain that somewhere there's a third grade kid and he's saying, man, that Pastor Joe is just laying it down. Man, I have never... I have those dreams at night that that's taken place, but I have my doubts. And we need to get the kids back. We need to get everybody back. Force us into a fourth service. We've been waiting for that. You know, we were ready to go to four services right before COVID hit. And, and uh, it's time. It's time that we get back to thinking that way. That means there's room for another 700 people uh, to find Jesus Christ. And that's, that's our ultimate 
purpose. So we counteract error. But what scares me about that verse is he says, if we abandon God's word, our children will be turned off from God. Now that sounds like God's being harsh and he may be, but it also is a direct result of the choices the parents have made. Because if church and worship and serving and giving is not a priority to the parents, will it ever be a priority to the children and grandchildren? Somebody say no. no. You'd be correct. And then the last part. Peter turns this on a dime. I love this. So, you killed Jesus and... Through Jesus, you get fresh air. He brings us back from the dead. You committed air. You were ignorant. But Jesus countered that. And he says, now you and I get to be heirs. So we went from, I killed Jesus and I'm ignorant. And in two sentences, because of my relationship with Jesus, I can become an heir of God himself. I can have everything that the Father has offered. He talks about Jesus being in heaven right now, waiting to return and give us all of the gifts that he's planned to give us heaven, to give us eternity. And he says that we will be heirs with people. This is good. With Moses, with Samuel. I'm going to play on it a little bit. With Joshua, with Esther, with Mary, with Martha. We're going to be heirs with some of the greatest people of faith who have ever lived. Now listen, we're different. I don't have the same job Joshua had. You don't have the same job that Esther had. But God has called all of us to be faithful and serve and give and love right where we are. Our time in history, our place in history, and perhaps what we're talking about today, whether it be the poor, the poor folks in Oklahoma, southeast Oklahoma, whether it be the mess in the Ukraine or whether it be right here in our own backyard, God has put us here for this moment. But he's given us this message of heirs. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says, you and I are co-heirs with Jesus. Oh man, don't miss that. Co-heirs with Jesus. What did God the Father give Jesus? Everything. So for all of you that always wanted to own everything, that was your goal in life? Except Jesus. Give this life away and in eternity it'll all be ours. That's what he promises. He said, everything that was given to Jesus, my son, I'm going to give to everyone who follows my son. That's a pretty amazing gift, isn't it? That's a pretty good promise. Second Timothy 4, however, <clears throat> for the time will come and you're living in it when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. I could take you to churches all over town. You, you tell me what sin you're involved with and I'll tell you what church to go to. If you want to hear somebody say, it's okay to be an alcoholic, don't worry about it, I'll take you to that church. Hey, I'm into porn. I got a church that'll tell you that's okay. Hey, I'm into transgenderism. I got a church for you. They'll all lead you to hell, but I'll take you there. People at the end will not want to hear the truth. 
See, you don't get to change the word. You and I, that's why I tell you every week, don't listen to me. Don't listen to Cord. Don't listen to Ben. Don't listen to David. Listen to the word of God. Because when you stand before God, (coughs) I can only imagine you standing before God and say, God, I got some notes here from Pastor Joe and Pastor Cord. Pastor Joe and Pastor Cord will be right outside. We'll be right holding on to the gates of heaven. We're hoping to be dusters. We're going to just be dusting the gates. That's what, that's what, that's what we're hoping for. Listen, you and I are responsible. You can find a church to tell you anything you want them to tell you. Now, let me tell you something. The people in Ukraine found out quickly. But the truth is, when Apollo 11 landed on the moon, I'm a kid. They only had a few seconds of fuel left, right? I don't remember. They were sweating it out in Houston. Because if that thing doesn't land in 15 seconds or 12 seconds or whatever, whatever it was, if it doesn't land, they're all going to die. How much time do you have? How much time do the folks in Ukraine have? Nobody knows the answer to that question. We all have to decide. I'll finish with this. There's a story, and there's always a good story out of the Titanic, but there's a story about a a pastor named Pastor Harper. He was a Scottish pastor. And as the Titanic went down, he found himself in the water. And he swam from person to person. He said, do you know Jesus? Are you ready to go to heaven? Do you know Jesus? I'll pray with you right now. The baptism thing was sort of already happening there in the North Atlantic. And uh, I'm cruel, aren't I? Um, He's swimming from person to person saying, are you saved? And praying with people. And one guy said, no, and I'm not interested. And Pastor Harper took off his life jacket, life preserver, whatever they had then, put it around the man's neck, and he said, you're going to need this far more than I do. The guy I'd like to talk to is the guy that he gave that life preserver to that day to find out if he ever made a decision to follow Jesus. Because sometimes, even in a crisis moment, people still won't do what they need to do. And I pray that's not you. So if you need Jesus, you come before we finish today. And I'm going to use that to lead us right into communion. So grab your communion cups. Uh, If you don't have one, raise your hand. We have professionals on the run ready to bring them to you. Uh, Down here we need some on my right. If you're at home, uh, get what you got, a cup of coffee, piece of bread. We're going to do two things. Uh, we want to remember what Jesus did. Obviously, that's the entire point of this. And that we're committed to what Peter said. Why am I surprised? Why am I surprised that God would raise the dead? And that's what we put our hope in. But I also want to remind you that every time we take communion, that this is a unity builder. Again, another reason why it's so important that we're here, if you can be. Because it's not just you and God. It's you and me and everybody else here. And it's people around the world. And it's the Ukrainian Christians. And it's everybody else. So if you would, take the bread that represents Jesus' body.
the juice represents the blood that was shed for all mankind. So, Father, as we remember what you've done for us, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us. We're thankful for the cross. We pray that we would receive that breath of fresh air to bring us back to life. That we would turn away from the errors in our lives. And that we would understand what a privilege it is to be an heir of the creator of the universe. So, Father, as we, as we worship and sing a couple more songs... Would you work in the hearts of people? You know the changes that need to be made, whether they're in Palm Bay, the land, watching at home in a car right now, or sitting right here in front of me. Holy Spirit, would you work in Jesus' name?